0: Hey, Willa.
1: Hey, Gene.
0: <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to another uh, exciting episode of Bookstaber.
1: Your eyeballs are gonna shoot out of the front of your head, let me tell you, because oh, there's so much excitement built into this episode of Bookstabber. We have jugglers, we have fire breathers, we have sword swallowers, we have a real-life zebra on the set today
0: <laughs> Oh, I, was gonna, I thought that was in the book. I was I was gonna say, I think you read a different book than I did, but okay.
1: Yeah, right. I don't think any of those things happen in the book, unfortunately. No. 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 Today we are talking about Silverthorn by Raymond Feist.
0: Yes, it's it's either the second or the third book. the the first the first series in the Rift War saga. I'm so confused.
1: We're continuing a long-standing Bookstaver tradition of not reading the first book in any series.
0: Well, well. So the first book was then was published originally in the early '80s, and it was broken up and published as two books. So this is this is the second book. But there's like there's like ten or eleven series in this Rift War cycle on this world of Mid Kenya and the other world is uh Kalawan. Apparently there was a war in the last two books. I'm I'm a little unclear. There is a very confusing synopsis at the beginning about
1: Yeah, if there's one if there's one thing we are going to lack in today's episode, it is clarity. <laughs> Spoiler warning. We are going to spoil every part of this book. So if you have ever once thought to yourself, gee, I might want to read Silverthorne or something in the Riftwar series, you should probably stop now. Go read it. Come back when you're done. If at that point that you feel this podcast has any value to you.
0: Or, or go, go read go read Magician Apprentice and then Magician Master and then read this book and then tell us how that worked out for you. How's that?
1: Or go read a different book entirely. Go read, uh, you know, The Great Gatsby and... tell us what you think of that i don't know
0: i've still never read that book i've read i've read an adaptation of it but i've never read the whole thing good
1: before before we conclude this podcast before before we stop give up on this silly podcast dream of ours i'm going to make you read the great gatsby there's no you can't just have not read the great gatsby it's one of the great 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 american novels
0: uh you know i think we've mentioned this before but uh yeah okay all right, maybe. Well, it's short. I mean, it's got that going for it. So sure.
1: This so this podcast is not about great Gatsby, though. All right, Silver Thorn. You want me to give the pitch on this one?
0: Oh, I I I would love I would love for you to give a very short pitch, like like three sentences for this.
1: All right. In a in a world filled with elves and goblins and humans and priests and thieves, the royal family of Krondor faces great calamity. The Princess Anita has been poisoned by a strange sect of people who would mean the kingdom harm, and the only way that they can save the poisoned princess is by finding the mysterious substance known as Silverthorn. Along our journey, we have Prince Arutha, Jimmy the Hand, and 20 other characters whose names are forgettable. (laughs)
0: going places with that with also strange names talking about things that happen in other books that also have strange names
1: i'll be honest i don't know how to pitch this one other than like your your parents had a fantasy paperback on their bookshelf growing up and you looked at it a lot and it was this book i guess um
0: well well, i think there's there's a there's a looming evil thing in the background and dark elves and serpent people are at the heart of it (laughs) like i don't think that's too spoilery but like, uh, this is all part of some giant plot, right? I mean, it's
1: yeah will will the heroes succeed or will they fail? I'll find out by reading silverthorn
0: <laughs> yeah the the fact there's another book in the series, and ten more after that probably means that that not there's it's not utter failure, but still i I'm sure I, I could hear you cursing me as we as 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 I waded into the first couple chapters of this I mean the the epilogue or the, the epilogue whatever happened in the previous book the the synopsis is so confusing that um, I just skipped it. And then it opens with uh, a dark elf, a serpent dude in this mute.
1: There's a thing I do when I start any given book where I can only I can only give it like half of my attention until the author is sort of done being like done having fun with themselves. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's perfect.
1: I, I always hate I always hate that part of of any book the beginning of any book where the author is just like presenting things without context. Now, granted, maybe those things made sense if we had read the previous entries into the series. I don't know. I it might it might have been better to have started with the beginning of this. I feel that way <laughs> about. Um, well, I feel that way about a lot of the books we read, and so I feel like maybe our reviews are are aren't fair if they're colored by not knowing the previous adventures right well but... well
0: but but i think that's obvious to anybody who's who's uh, listening to this you know who's come come to find it like we're, we're not we're not the informed people who have who have uh, absorbed every word feist had written to this point to get to this point and, and and you know fair enough like like that's a it's kind of a crappy thing to do it's kind of my empire strikes back theory of uh fantasy and science fiction i i just think that i think it's the stronger books that can capture my attention right away um, and and if, if we'd been reading this for any other reason, I would have gone back and read the, the first one if I'd been reading it for some reason if I, somebody told me how great this was or how great the series is.
1: Well, can I ask you, do you have any experience with this series or this author before that would make you think that the Empire Strikes Back is is like makes sense here?
0: Well, I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I don't but but, but what, what I can't what I can't typically stand about fantasy why I believe the Empire Strikes Back theory makes me happy is, I mean we've talked about this. I don't like uh, the Return of the King. I I don't like the Return of the Jedi. Um, I think it's very very hard to end these things. But the middle books often don't have to have an ending, so they can kind of be yeah l- l- like victory and defeat at the same time, and it goes on. I'm totally. But fine I also
1: with that. I bet you dollars to donuts. I w- I would bet you five hundred dollars here on this podcast that you little little Jean in the movie ah. theater f- fucking loved a new hope
0: oh, I loved a new hope yeah yeah no no a new right. hope is fi- a new hope is fine the, the openings are good too but the, oh my God. it's it, it's the middle book that, that I don't like and a new hope but a, but a new hope willow willow you, you don't have the context for what I saw in a new hope when I was a little tiny kid and there was nothing <laughs> yeah. else quite that great and I'd just been watching crappy 1950s sci-fi on on the TV on Saturday afternoons right I mean I mean a New Hope was like, that was just amazing to me, right? I
1: think, well, I think you would be surprised in many ways to even though I am younger than you, how similar our childhoods were. That, like, when I was nine years old, I came back from the university library having rented all of Space 1999 on Oof. VHS. <laughs> but, but I, but I loved it, I was super into it.
0: That was so, it, was so great when it was on. It was so great when it was on. I tried to rewatch that last I, year. Oof, <laughs>
1: that's all I can say. <laughs> Well, so I I feel like my experience, you know, sure, I had some things, but I also, I didn't, as a child, I didn't see everything. Like, Star Wars was magical to me as a child, Mm -hmm. because it was Star Wars, and in the 90s, like, there really wasn't that much to compete with it, like, especially because all of the other really cool movies, I was too young to have seen at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Star Wars is a movie that you could show to children. Um, Nowadays, people, you know, just let their five-year-olds watch Deadpool or whatever, uh i'm judging you all you bad parents out there this is me judging you super oh, i'm shaking could, my fist
0: how could you keep deadpool from a child who wanted to watch it though? i mean <laughs> come on that's that's abusive
1: sure all right i'll i'll take that i'm abusive um so anyway how did we get on this i don't oh, know we're, you, we're talking about star wars
0: i, I don't know you started you started to go off any anyway i i mean so so this you were asking me if the, it's the, fair this I,
1: book is a this book is a poor comparison to the empire strikes back i would say
0: well, I, I would say it took me about three chapters and then I was just like, oh, not everything was being explained. There were still some place names and people names being thrown at me once in a while. But it was totally like, it was totally fine two or three chapters in, right? After the music comes up, like like, like there's this weird, <laughs> there's this weird prophecy. There's too many prophecies in this book to move the plot forward. But there's a there's a weird prophecy at the beginning with the evil people. And then everybody's coming home after the Rift War. It's Liam the King, Martin the Elder Brother, uh, and Arutha, the Prince of Crondor uh they're the most important people they're all in the same boat for some reason cut to princess carlene who's uh trying to get the traveling troubadour Lori, who was apparently once a prisoner on an alien planet during the rift war which took place across two planets in something called a rift
1: i i missed i missed the part where Lori was uh from an alien planet dang no he's, no, no no like...
0: he's from he's from uh mid but he was a prisoner on kelowan during the war at some point
1: Oh okay, because you for a second I thought this book was way cooler than <laughs> what what it was.
0: Well, there are there are uh, people who are trapped on Midkemia after the war that are the Sarani, who are kind of like the Japaneseish culture uh, on 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 Midkemia, and, uh, and
1: and and also super evil question mark.
0: No, 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 no. Those guys aren't evil. they they're very honorable and they at one point they want to kill themselves uh for having failed at something which is why i'm comparing them to the japanese but
1: sure uh, and I, uh, and that and that and that's going to do really well in this era of cultural sensitivity that we live well, in now people are, well, no, are no, going to no, love that detail
0: well no no, no i mean this is it, it, it's very i don't know i mean i mean th- there's a lot of fantasy books where there's a culture that just swapped in right there, there's like an african culture in here
1: um yes 100 percent. there is a lot of this place is obviously fantasy middle east or fantasy asia and i'm not i'm not uh, i'm
0: not shitting on this this book for this but but it's it's just the thing that's common but like princess carlene is wanting to get married to laurie who's kind of a wanderer he's a minstrel and then arutha they are they all arrive and arutha sees his love anita and we're supposed to fall in love with her as as he proposes marriage and then we see jimmy who's kind of our stand-in he's uh member of the Thieves Guild, one of the mockers.
1: I was actually very surprised. So when the Jimmy the Hand stuff starts, that, that was the point where I actually took an interest in the book. I was like, oh, this is okay. Yeah, it's great. I thought it was very surprising when Jimmy meets up with Arutha later, and oh, they had they had already been on adventures together. Because I thought this was a brand new character, right? That we had never met before. But apparently, right. like oh right. no, right. Nope. if nope. you'd already been reading these books, you already know who Jimmy the Hand is, I guess.
0: Although maybe he wasn't a major character in the last book. It's a little hard to tell. Like he was just there when they went because the thieves had to save Anita and Arutha from somebody invading the city long time ago i don't know but jimmy happens to be like like arutha and his brothers are riding into town or no the king isn't there it's arutha and martin and a few other people and they're riding into town secretly and there's an assassin a nighthawk somebody from the guild of death on the rooftops and jimmy has just uh stolen some some stuff from somebody and it's an it 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 wasn't an approved thieves guild theft so he's kind of in trouble for that but uh he, he sees who's arriving, and he stops the assassin, and then there's a fight on the rooftop, and Jimmy manages to, to kill the Nighthawk, or at least have him fall to his death as he's trying to kill him. And then some some uh, people take the body away, and uh, Jimmy escapes, and knows he has to give warning, but he also has to kind of admit to what he did. Uh, he decides he's going to go warn the prince first, and he, he's in the Thieves' Guild, and... Some people don't like Jimmy very much. So they offer him a job. They know he's done some stuff. And this thief called Laughing Jack tries to kill Jimmy when he goes for a job. And then Jimmy runs to the castle, and he just apparently Jimmy can sneak in anywhere. It's it's kind of unnerving.
1: Yeah, Jimmy's really good at being stealthy and stealing and punching people. And the Jimmy Jimmy's a great character. Uh, in that he's very good at what he does. Can I can I get on a little soapbox just real fast?
0: You can. Yep. 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 So so Jimmy appears to Ruth and starts starts to talk. <laughs> but but before that, Willow, what do you have to say?
1: I just want to talk about the concept of thieves guilds in fantasy that I think thieves guilds are dumb. I I don't think, (laughs) I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a historical precedent for thieves guilds. I think if you replaced the word thieves guilds with crime family, it would make a lot more sense. I just don't buy this idea that there's just this army of pickpockets in every city that all that right. somehow also like they're breaking the law, but then they pay their union dues. Like that doesn't make sense to me.
0: Well, they, they seem to give a cut, and they seem to they seem to make sure everybody who's thieving in the city is under their control. So they get they get some money. And there's like there, there's the only other part of the thieves guild we really see in this is is the toffsman who uh, is rooting through the sewer. He's he's like the lowest level of thieves guild. He roots through the sewer to find anything of value, and then he has to split that with his bosses. What a gross job.
1: One of these days, I'm going to do actual research onto is there any historical veracity to the concept of uh, of a Thief's Guild? Because the whole idea has just always seemed absurd to me that any crime on that level, it it doesn't seem tenable to most yeah. medieval civilizations, right? Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
0: Well, it makes sense to me maybe there would be like pickpockets, right? Like maybe pickpockets would recruit kids who were like in the streets and would try to train them to be pickpockets. And well, if, if they don't succeed, you know, they're just removed from the, <laughs> from the roles as it were. And then
1: I think, well, I think the idea of like Alibaba and the 40 thieves, that makes more sense to me because they're not, th- those are really highwaymen, right? Like they live outside of normal society sure, and they sure. occasionally go in and out, but they, like they aren't, they don't have, th- th- their secret base just isn't like underneath you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. some guy's house or whatever.
0: Well, what's what's always funny to me is like like these medieval cities always seem to have uh, really well developed sewage systems that the thieves kind of take take uh,
1: right. control There's of, right? Truth. I mean,
0: like like it's it, it's kind of bananas.
1: Th- that almost makes sense to me because so okay, one thing that I would like to say about this book is that it was actually a real surprise for me when the more fantastical element showed up because the beginning of this book is so mundane with. Uh, You know, princes and and princesses and and thieves guilds. And I did not expect for there to be goblins or elves or any real high magic. And then each of those things do show up, but in such a way that uh, this book is fine, but... I would have liked to see the evidence that they lived in a world that had higher magic than, like, as soon as a priest starts showing up and doing priest magic, like it's a D&D campaign, suddenly I thought, well, that, this seems odd.
0: So, so I read I read this after I finished the book, but uh, basically Feist and his friends at uh, University of California at San Diego created this world as an alternative to D&D, and they used to play sure. campaigns in it. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty clear what the what the origin of this is all is when you know that. But I, but I think that the the prophecy at the beginning and the dark elf it's it's all kind of under described in a certain way. So I totally understand if you weren't paying one hundred percent attention that you wouldn't I have mean, had you, that. But it's it's odd. It is really odd too. I'm you,
1: you, no you telling me that this actually was their D and D campaign explains everything. That, that everything in this book now makes so much more sense right? than it did before. And I I almost wish that that was a little plaque at the beginning of the book. If there had just been some text that said hey if you've ever if you know what a drow elf is if you if you know what any of these things are then you'll be fine well i mean
0: i, I, I don't i'm not saying this was their campaign i'm saying they created this world i don't know if they created the world of kelowan which is the world across the rift which also comes into play here but but they created the world at least and so you can see how this does come out of the the of, of a dnd campaignish kind of thing though um there's a there's like a murder and a there's a lot of there's a lot of prophecies to push you toward where you need to go, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I, I will say I will say I think I think prophecy prophecy and co- I mean coincidence, of course, is is pretty bad too if it's later in the book. There's a lot of coincidence early in this book, so it's not quite so bad. Um, but the prophecies and the way they move the, the the story forward, then they go here and they discover a little bit of information. They go there. It's it's a very it's a very standard structure and it's well done here, I think, as far as that goes. But the bananas, uh, magic, and the way everything works is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's very D and D in this in this book, and there's some humor to kind of offset that. So i, I don't know. I mean, I—I I mean, again, like I think three chapters in, if, if this book had just opened with Jimmy, I'd have been so much happier
1: a problem that this book has without a shadow of a doubt is that it has too many characters if if the book was if the primary protagonist was just jimmy and we had just centered on his adventures this would have been much more enjoyable there was a point where i thought this book was it was just fine in that like you know it's not my favorite meal but i ate it and it and it sated me for a while Mm -hmm. but then but then the problem is that the book kept going and not only did it keep going i still had ha- i still had half of it to go it just was yeah. it's just so long and it has no need to be this long like weirdly yeah. the adventure i feel like the adventure doesn't even proper start until halfway through the book and then once once the adventure starts it just drags it just drags forever
0: well i think i think the whole beginning is you have to fall in love with anita because because she's the the like your love for her has to kind of get you behind the the adventure the quest to save her right and, yeah, and and Jimmy I... <laughs> Jimmy's really fond of her and Arutha's really fond of her, but Arutha and his brothers are just kind of these like six and a half foot tall giant men who yeah. are super attractive and good with swords, and you're like, Okay, well But then Jimmy comes along and you're like, Well, he's kinda he kinda seems to have superpowers, but okay.
1: I yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to accuse um someone of being like I wouldn't want to accuse someone of being gay because in that like people would interpret that as a bad thing at least you know middle school brain or whatever but if you if if I discovered that the author was gay because they wrote a book that was entirely about men where the where the woman was taken away like that could just be that could be lumped under misogyny right or it could be lumped under it's because I'm only actually interested in powerful tall capable men right Hmm. I, it's one of those things. I, I just think not, they're,
0: they're they're just heroic. I, I I there's no gay vibe in this book. <laughs> Is there a gay vibe? No.
1: Well, I mean, people have made that comparison to Lord of the Rings a lot, right? And I don't, I actually don't think Tolkien's gay. However, never heard that. Well, it's like, why why are there no women in Batman comics? Like, you know, Batman and Robin and Alfred all live in a house together and they have no need for any women in their lives, right? This is why people have long interpreted a homosexual theme in Batman. That Because <laughs> because, because if, if any of them were straight, it would be like, well, then they, they would do something about it, right? Don't,
0: don't you think the Adam West, uh, Burt Ward casting had something to do with that? I mean, I mean come on, that's, that's the source of most of that, isn't it?
1: Oh, I don't think that's fair. I don't think I don't think that's fair to throw on to Burt Ward.
0: No, I'm not I'm not throwing it on to anybody. I, I I just think that, that that series had like this kind of
1: Except very, you're forgetting like... that the that one had the only had the only women that mattered. It, they did introduce Batgirl, who everybody liked, but also they had Aunt Harriet oh and harriet
0: character. oh my bad bad girl and catwoman come on
1: this is yeah erasure well they had three different catwomen they oh, had more catwomen than most batman stories do so eartha kit eartha
0: kit oh my god changed my life come on oh absolutely
1: my <laughs> it's, same here number one eartha kit Stand. We're, oh wow we, agree,
0: we we agree on eartha kit who would have thought that willow that's that's, that's i know well awesome. no
1: everyone i know is like julie newmar i'm like whatever eartha kit santa oh, baby no no
0: way eartha kit Eartha kid all of the course, way. Of
1: course, Eartha kid You'd be crazy this has become an EarthaKid oh, appreciation podcast. Screw this this is the great. review.
0: This is great. Who knew this? Okay. I, oh, I didn't expect to come across that. Although I was a big Burt Ward fan too. I love Burt Ward's uh, Robin. I just think, I, I think Robin sure. is so great. Burt Ward's voice and, and just presentation in that whole series. Just, oh, I loved it. Loved it so much. Did
1: you Did you know that the author of this book, Raymond Feist, is the son of Felix Feist? who was a director of films. He's no, probably true? best remembered for Deluge from 1933. No. And huh. the films The Devil Thumbs a Ride.
0: Are you Are you looking at Wikipedia
1: right now? <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> I thought you were pulling this out of, out of thin air. Oh.
1: He uh, He helmed the second screen version of the sci-fi tale Donovan's Brain, which starred Nancy Reagan.
0: Oh, I've seen Donovan's book, Brain. She was known
1: as Nancy Reagan oh yeah i need to anyway it's not it's not great Uh, well this so here's the thing we can do the thing that we usually do where we microscopically go through every single plot detail i think this book
0: doesn't i want to talk about the beginning of the book at least like that okay and then we can we can skip ahead i I think i think the beginning is is interesting because because of what happens so jimmy kind of runs afoul of the thieves guild because he doesn't go to them and, and tell them about coming across the Guild of Assassins, which he's supposed to do. And he's, he's also been thieving against the rules, like outside of the Thieves Guild's approval or something. So, and then this Laughing Jack guy tries to kill Jimmy. And and we later find out Laughing Jack is with the Assassins. And so he's a jerk. Um, and then Jimmy appears on the walls. He warns Arutha. They decide they're going to have to capture a Nighthawk to find out what's going on. They capture a couple and they kind of die. And they bring in this Death Priestess. And this this uh, Dark Elf takes over the Death Priestess. the the dead guy against the death priestess's power and like then the dead rise and there's this there's kind of a fight there is that is there a fight there i can't remember but but nathan the cleric does the cleric magic and there's beams of light coming from the cleric's hands to banish the monster and it's all kind of cool the the violence in this is pretty good i have to say
1: i i was interested in the monster but also so okay a major source of confusion through me this book is what the monster was Yep. Because they keep calling it a morid hell. And after a while, I just was interpreting it as like this Sabriel esque sort of multi limbed undead monster, which, you know, is cool. I like that. Uh, But then I don't know if it was because it wasn't properly explained or because I have ADHD. I don't know what the problem was. But it took me until like two thirds of the book before I realized that the word morid hell just means a dark elf.
0: Right, 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 right and, right. and
1: does not mean an eight-limbed monstrosity, even though there is a relationship between those things that, like... Well, but it's so, also supposed so, to be some
0: big enemy. It's, like, it's very unclear. I, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I was so confused by that throughout. So I'm it's glad this, to know that it wasn't just me.
0: Well, and, and there's these descriptions. Like, I think that, that opening scene with the witch and the serpent guy and the mute guy and the, and the, the big evil general guy is like is is uh is kind of under described on purpose to make it mysterious and it doesn't help like you, you know that the big evil guy has a a dragon a flying dragon shaped birthmark on his chest and maybe that's significant in some way that i don't understand but it's it's un- even i went back and reread it and it's still unclear to me what's happening there but uh so clerics have magic powers uh dead people talk then we cut forth and, and nathan is some kind of so there's there's different orders of there's different different minor gods that are being served, but there's one major god we've kind of find out. The major god is Ishap. The minor gods, I can't remember what, who Nathan serves, but the the death priestess serves a god called Lim's Kragma. Uh, these are just mm-hmm. some of the words that were confusing to try to track of. But but Nathan Nathan gives this interesting speech where he says like basically like. You know, everybody—they all serve the order, even though they seem to be there seems to be good and evil. But whatever this thing is, is just like crazy, and it's growing, and it's outside of that order, and it's very, very bad. So now we we have an idea. There's something terrible, and then Arutha wants to go see the thieves guild's leader, and uh, there's a nice little uh, negotiation there. He, he's bargaining to help for their help to uh, help him track down the guild of death. The Assassins Guild, and uh, he's told that Jimmy is going to die, and he's also told that Jimmy is the upright man, the leader of the Thieves Guild's son. And the negotiations are quite clever, and and I like that part. It was it was nice, and uh, basically, yeah, that was fine. Basically, they swap. Um, they end up swapping uh, Jimmy becoming a squire, a squire for saving Jimmy's life and for information on the on the guild. It's 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 very nice. So Jimmy becomes a squire in the court. He's not a thief anymore. They're told where the assassins are. They go there. They fight another more in Hell. Um, this one has poison nails, and the dead start coming back to life there, and these aren't zombies. you can just chop their heads off. no, when you chop them up, they keep crawling back. Uh, so it's Arutha and Jimmy and some others, and they're in a brothel basement and they're fighting uh, this dark elf and these these things that are just corpses that are falling apart and then uh, I think they have to back out and light the whole thing on fire, is that right? Um,
1: and then Jimmy puts I'm at
0: a, it yeah Jimmy Go puts on. the Jimmy back to the palace. Jimmy puts the bully squire in his place. Like, the bully tries to mess with Jimmy, and Jimmy just puts him down.
1: Right. I, don't re- I appreciated that. There, there, There's a fun fish out of water that the, the book it's doesn't great. linger on very much. But yeah, Jimmy's a fun character, and I enjoy that. Like, okay, boy thief turned into a squire of the prince. And so yeah, it's a great scene where this kid is like, "I don't like your face," and he just immediately gut punches him, and it's just like, "Okay, nerd." And <laughs> it's well, well and, and if
0: and if that was made into a YA novel, like that takes place, like kind of in the background of this book, it would be fantastic. It'd be so good, you know.
1: Kind of, I well, I think that is this, this is my own bias, I admit. But as soon as something becomes "quote unquote" YA, I immediately my eyes glaze over.
0: Well, I, I don't mean why in any in any sense other than it would just feature that character, like at his at his oh, age. Okay. Interesting to kids. I mean like sure. I think it'd be great. I, I, I think you could pull that out. But then Jimmy's wandering around oh Jimmy loves uh he loves Anita, he really admires her, and he wants to be Duke of Crondor, which is an ongoing joke every time he's offered any any reward for his brave service. Uh, and he meets this six year old boy, William, who is Pug the wizard's uh, son and Pug has a fire drake as a pet. Uh Pug and Culligan are two wizards. They live on a place called Stardock Island, which is where they're forming the wizarding school. We find this out later. Uh, Then it's cut to the wedding. uh, And during, like, the wedding's about to start.
1: Are are readers tired? Are you all tired of reading books about wizarding schools? Well, get excited about this twist on the premise where they're building a wizarding school. And so they just sitting around constructing it, mostly, and then not doing a lot.
0: Well, they're sitting around constructing it, but it's also the home to the X-Men. So it's kind of cool uh like w- wizarding and psychic powers are apparently the same thing uh it's fine. I mean
1: they kind of are when you when you get down to I mean think about it if psychics were real okay. yeah if you if you met real psychics and but they called themselves wizards and everyone interpreted it as magic from Satan or whatever source you ascribe magic to. Well, is is magic Which, something
0: you can learn, though? Isn't that isn't that the difference there? I, I I don't know.
1: Well, you might, but well, there are people in the real world who try to hone psychic powers, right? Sure. Like sure. The, even the U.S. military did that. That's what the the man who goats is based on, right? <laughs> a re- that, well, no, that's a real thing. It's a true story. I mean, that's, it, that's I guess enough. when they say based on a true story, you you need to take that with a grain of salt because sometimes Absolutely. they just lie about that. Well, I mean, based but on I, true
0: story is a very vague concept, right?
1: that's true but i think there is um, supposed to be a grain of truth to that one like i mean the military tries lots of crazy stuff right
0: well it's based on a non-fiction book so i mean yeah you know which which passed whatever fact checking was done to it so but i don't think the movie necessarily is a, a movie based on a book uh is not is less probably less I would, truthful the book. i
1: admit i haven't read the book but i was i'm i'm under the assumption that the book is is, is to be trusted somewhat Anyway, back yeah, yeah. to the matter at hand. So-, well, so,
0: so the wedding is going on, and Jimmy is crawling around the roof, trying to make sure everything is is secure. He's trying to, he's kind of helping helping them do security. And then suddenly, as the bride is approaching, Jimmy looks up and he goes, "Oh, you know what? There's these really deep windows up there, like four stories up, that nobody's really looked at. Uh, I bet an assassin could be up there. How about if I jump up there? Apparently, I mean, this must be a big hall, right? But Jimmy goes sure. right up and ends up right at the correct window." Uh, which I guess, you know, okay, there'd be a window that would be a better place to, to shoot somebody from, to assassinate Arutha. And Jimmy goes up to the window and, um, in the recessed cupola he finds the assassin who he has a fight with and, uh, Anita is shot with a crossbow, a poisoned crossbow. Jimmy blames himself, the guards, the Serrani guards don't kill themselves because everybody tells them not to. And then, uh, th- the, that thief is the, the guy laughing Jack who attacked Jimmy in an alley earlier in the book. And Jack is questioned, and Jack uh, mentions the name Merm- damas Is that right? damas Does that ring a bell? You listened to this, right?
1: I did. I don't remember that name, no. But there's so many names in this book.
0: M- damas I believe, is the name of the dark elf who's at the heart of all this. the The one with the dragon tattoo. And
1: well, I thought the one I thought the one that was at the heart of it was Murad.
0: No, well, Murad is the general of damas He's the other one who is at the witch's prophecy, along okay, with the, sure. the pan- Pantathian serpent serpent guy who just. Apparently the only thing he can say is because he doesn't talk in this. Ah, and Jack Jack tells some evil things. He 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 died, and then he was offered like he could live if he served Mermedamus, which he said sure. And then he was taken to a place at some point where the Pantathian serpent priest. We also need to know he's evil. So they killed a killed a little girl, drew diagrams in her blood, and drank her blood. And they were told the prophecy about the Lord of the West. Another prophecy. Second prophecy. Maybe the same prophecy. He must <sighs> die. The Lord of the West is Arutha. He must die, uh, and Silverthorn is the poison, they find out. And this sets them on the track to the Ishapian Abbey at Sarth, uh, which is a giant library. My favorite, my favorite setting in this entire book is they're digging down into the ground. Apparently, um, mm-hmm. humidity, not a thing in this world. They're digging down to store their, their uh, hundreds of thousands of scrolls and books and bookmarks. And and they, they save look. every scrap of paper they come across. Let me um, ask you this
1: now: How, how f- far through the book would you say that this scene happens?
0: Uh, we're probably at, we're, well. I think we're like a third of the way in.
1: I think it was further than that, but I, it drove me crazy that at this this is at this point the adventure has only just started and right
0: right we fall we fall in love with Anita and, and we love Jimmy and so we're willing to stick it out now.
1: <sighs> yeah, sure.
0: I mean, I, I I agree with you. This is a problem. And then they go, <laughs> they and then they set off on their journey. Right. Um, hmm. And now I think we can stop being so specific, but uh, it like it, it gets a little less fun at this point, and a little harder to follow. Yeah, and they kind of go from place to place, and there's uh, horsemen pursuing them, and the, including the what are they called? The Dark Riders. I'm trying to remember what they are. The blacks, Black Slayers. The Black Slayers.
1: Yeah, I think they do use the term Dark Riders though, which immediately makes me think of the Lord of the Rings movies and Barland Butter like. The, yeah. the black riders the black riders have come mr frodo or I, mr I, underhill i i do like
0: uh i i do like the the magic at the at the big library keep the archives uh there, there there are catalogers there it's a nod to catalogers so catalogers if you're listening to this at this point there's a nod to catalogers the need for catalogers in this place uh there's more prophecies more time of prophecy, more more prophecies they look up in the books there's a giant fight where they have the 12 eyes, which is an ancient and evil spell where, uh, like, these, these these, I don't know, these colored spheres gather above the the keep, and then they, they form a, it actually says they form a dodecagon, <laughs> which is which is such a hilarious description of anything that, that uh, like, I don't know whose character that's supposed to be from, but that is totally from a uh, dungeon master's point of view, right? <laughs> like, when you walk into a room and go, the room is 10 by 5, okay. Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, you want to know so i I've just been doing a little digging here on Wikipedia and not not only is this based on d and d this might this might actually be upsetting to some people uh-oh. Uh ap- apparently one of the major sources of inspiration uh, for at least part of the setting is fr- is uh from a thing called tecamel uh, which is a a fictional world uh created by a an actual neo-nazi oh wow. Yeah. But now I'll, I'll say this, that, uh, under the height of its popularity, people didn't know this guy was a neo-Nazi is my understanding. Uh, and this is a thing that, that people have discovered more recently.
0: Well, I, I, but I think it's, it's based on it. Not, not set in that world. Right. I mean, like,
1: well, sure. Yeah.
0: So, uh, can, can I say this is my favorite fight of the, of the, of the book? Can I describe yeah, the fight but... in a little detail? There's a big okay. kind of oozing, flying horror with waddles of fat, and it on its it, it's it's like it's like a winged thing with black talons, and in its chest, like apparently all the creatures that are made with magic are blue, but there's a human face uh-huh. just staring in horror, <laughs> and it's got a woman's head that looks like Princess Anita. Uh, is this, the...
1: The, this is the one where. Jimmy shoves the hammer of its ass.
0: Does Jimmy or does Micah? I thought I thought Micah did. Micah's like this priest, this warrior priest with this giant magic hammer who just goes out and Jimmy Jimmy has well, something to do with it at the end too, so he's he's a hero of this m- moment.
1: Well my understanding is that there's a there's a point where the monster rears back in a weird way and and they, they, they think that Micah did something and then Genie's like, Nope, I shoved his hammer up its ass. That yeah. was that was me. Yeah. He didn't le- he didn't land the killing blow, but he bought them the time. Right, I think
0: I think Martin uh, Martin, the amazing archer who spent time with the elves, he's the Legolas of the book. He uh mm-hmm. although there is a, a a genuine Legolas character as well, an actual elf who shoots arrows, but but Martin spent time with the elves and he put the arrow into the human face in the chest and killed it. Uh and then uh Jimmy says he he like a, as as a reward, he wants to be Duke of Crondor. He's still harping on that, uh, but he's named Senior Squire at that point. But nobody knows, so who cares? And then they have to go to the elves to find out about <laughs> this the Silverthorn, which they found information about. is is uh, It's an elven thing. That's all we know.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Oh yeah. Then, if you were
1: playing this week from week as d anD D campaign, it would it would make a lot of sense. Like this week, we found a, a lead to our next thing. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> Maybe, maybe there is a version of this where if it wasn't just a big novel, if this was like serialized somehow, hmm. maybe, I don't know. I,
0: I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it uh, immensely from about chapter three to this point, I think. And then I, I kind of agree with you. It just became like going from place to place to gather clues.
1: And, um, and every place they go, there's surprisingly more exposition that we as the audience honestly don't need. the you know yeah. i know you don't like explaining books i felt i feel this one was uh sure had a lot of exposition
0: i'm gonna tell you i didn't i didn't think it was the worst i, I didn't think there was there was a lot of uh talking explaining um because they split the party here like some of them go to what's what's the island again what's the island called where the wizard school's at stardock stardock they go to Star half like some a few of them go to stardock and those guys end up actually. It turns out Pug actually knows how to recreate a rift, and he does. And he, they go to the other world. A couple of them go to the other world, and they get tortured. And everything turns out okay. And they Pug, Pug finds some. Pug is I don't know, but Pug has like one kind of magic. There's two kinds of magic they teach on the other world. And and uh, this is this is like it, it seemed it seemed kind of unnecessary but it, it seemed like a nod to the rift war series and so pug what well, he ends up using the other kind of magic he's the only wizard who's ever used like cantrips and greater spells at the same time nobody can do mm-hmm. this and so he's he's amazing and you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting and okay but it's not it's not weird and then he at the end of the book he goes up to the north pole where maybe there's some magic creatures that he's seen in a vision and i was thinking it's something like um the dark crystal <laughs> like the the watchers <laughs> in the dark crystal like the the people who just kind of hang out and peer at things uh i
1: don't i i watched, i've seen the dark crystal many times who are the watchers i
0: don't i don't know i i who's who is who is the thing who's like got the astrolab and is like that's
1: um mother Agra.
0: and and and, and what what is mother augra
1: well do you want the nerd answer <laughs>
0: i do want the nerd answer yeah
1: mother Agra is like this uh manifestation of the natural world she she, okay so she is like mother nature but because Uh. it's a fucked up jim henson planet she's a fucked up person (laughs) right like like she's got like three eyes and she she was born at the same time as the world was okay and she's just this cantankerous sort of druid ogre okay
0: i, I mean that, that's what i pictured I, there was like not a really vivid description because it was in a i i
1: i would be so much more excited to talk about the dark crystal than to talk about this book uh just Puck, want everyone out there to know
0: pug ends up in the north pole and and uh other, not these things but he finds uh elves from our world there on this other world and uh oh man this this thing is called the enemy there and it seems to be like both our worlds are at stake, and then Pug comes back. And that's and then but but the other side, they're going for the silverthorn Do you think they get it, Willow? Do you think they get Silver and save Anita? Uh
1: I mean, before the book is over they do.
0: Right. I mean there's not much there's not much doubt about it, right? I mean they're handed magic yeah. talismans and everything just kind of shoves them. It's like maybe somebody's gonna die, maybe there's gonna be some defeat in victory here. Um
1: I, I was struggling with this book so much. Like, so I, I read the synopsis online and then uh, Ooh, by this really? point in the book i was well i read the synopsis i've done that a couple times because C- sometimes when i know what i'm reading towards it's easier to read you Ooh, know? wow
0: i find that very odd but okay
1: i mean well let me tell you did the let me ask you this did this book have any twists that you felt were ruined if you didn't know it was going to happen
0: i mean i mean it, it's so strange because they 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 go to the elves the gwali are w- really weird these little like I, mo- monkey I guys like The gwali.
1: yeah I, these little that, monkey that, that
0: guys is... I didn't like that. Although I did, it is I, one I, of the
1: only things that makes this world like sort of unique.
0: I liked I liked in the School of Magic the little girl who can talk to people with her mind and the old blind guy who can see the future. And I I, I liked the moment where he's he's having a vision of the future and the thing in the vision sees him the big evil and like attacks him like that was kind of cool. It's probably been done before, but but it was it was interesting in this sense. Um, I didn't yeah. like the elves much. The elves are there's no surprise in the elves. Uh,
1: no they're the they're okay. the elfiest elves they just do elf things they live in nature and they have peace and i was surprised i'll say this i was surprised at how how friendly the elves were that in these kinds of stories usually the elves like don't like humans that much
0: yeah but they knew martin right and martin's like hey, hey come in brother and that's well, like, okay I
1: mean, I mean that's that's part of it why the fact that this is based on like a D game makes like explains that to me that <laughs>
0: I think there's something there too, though, about about the war. I think the elves were on the human side in the war, and and everybody sure. defended defended like from the north. And the elves, the elves importantly actually admit that the the Moradel are basically elves. Like nobody really had confirmed that before.
1: Right, um, they they are dark. It, it, that's the thing. That was the point in the book where they just said they are dark elves, and I was going, oh, okay, they're literally Drow. They're they're just Drow.
0: There's some great stories yeah. in this. There's there's like, there's like, the elves tell the story about this guy who, uh, this elf guy who had to go get Silverthorn, but the elves aren't allowed into the place where the dark elves go. They can't cross a certain track and the track is supposed to be worn into the ground by this guy who still continues to go around this lake because his love was dying from being poisoned by Silverthorn and apparently when you're poisoned by Silverthorn, you need Silverthorn to make the antidote and so he just wore a path and the elves can't cross this path. And then like, the party of humans goes up there the elves help them get as far as they can and they're pursued and the dark elves in the helmets who are the undead dark elves who just can be killed and brought back to life and keep keep coming at you uh i don't know they get to this lake they kind of sneak in the guali give them a secret path they're looking at this building there's one building and jimmy goes and sneaks in and it's like Every D and D adventure, there's traps and there's and, and but Jimmy's like, this is not an old building. This is a new building, and right in the middle of it, in in a lighted on a lighted plinth and like a crystal sphere, there's like a some silver thorn. And Jimmy's like, all is not right here. <laughs> Good intuition, kid. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, uh, and then he goes out, and they realize that it's probably in the lake instead of around the lake where they can't find it. And they find some, and they get away, and there's a fight, and that fight is. It's kind of satisfying because this guy who they've brought into the party. There's two more guys they brought into the party, including this guy who's on a blood quest. He's like some kind of barbarian dude, and he's he's wearing a tartan and he's painted his face white. and He's on a blood quest and he challenges the evil general, the guy who's with the scratches on his face, who's been pursuing them doggedly, challenges him to single combat and he defeats him and kills him. And then he's it looks like he's killed, but he's not. Uh, and they go back to the elves, and they heal him, but he's going to have to stay with them. He's the toughest human he's ever seen. And, but the elves like save them at the end in this very pitched battle. I thought it was okay, but it's, it's weird to have this party saved by somebody else instead of through their own kind of guile. But I guess their own guile, they, they survived that long to be rescued, you could argue.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like the group has a ton of guile.
0: And then they go back to uh, Anita, who did I mention? She was placed in a time-don't-move-here room by Pug uh magically and they seem to save her pretty quick the elves make whatever it is for from silverthorn for them oh and there's also centaur like lizard people uh in the icy wastes in the other world i don't know yeah i mean i like there isn't a huge resolution at the end of this book uh, there's a small resolution saving anita and did and it the... give
1: you any stirrings of uh, the empire strikes back well you excited i I was
0: I will say that at the end of the book here's the thing I didn't understand like it's like it seems like Anita is shot by accident by the assassin which is probably mm-hmm. true but as they discuss it as they discuss Anita being poisoned it seems to be a plot point that Anita was poisoned to lure Arutha to the north where they could kill him because they knew where he was going to be so like I don't understand were they trying to poison Arutha with the Silver Thorn? what would that have brought about right it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So it's kind of treated as this thing that was done as part of this plan to get Arutha up there uh, where he could be murdered. And uh, I I don't know, like it's, it's a little unclear to me. Um, I may not have been reading very closely at the point of the assassination.
1: No, I I think that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think, I think the idea is that if you hit him with this poison and the only cure is Silverthorn, then the person is like, Making them comatose forever is as good as them being dead, right?
0: Yeah. I I I, I, I guess.
1: Like the the idea is that the Silver is gonna be so hard to get and is so obscure that they're just never gonna get it.
0: Well, she would she would die if she wasn't if, if all the stuff didn't happen, right? If Pug wasn't sure. there, but I mean sure. everybody everybody I, could guess Pug was gonna be there, so it's a little strange. I guess it was supposed to kill Arutha outright and maybe poison him if it didn't and then this was the backup plan to lure him north but by the time they get to the north they've already built this building this huge trap for him so it's like did they knock this together in the two weeks it took him to get to the north you know what i mean i was like i don't quite understand what's happening anyway uh yep. I, I will did you read the Dragonlance books
1: um you know i didn't i've read i've actually read a lot of uh D fiction but i never did read the Dragonlance books
0: this reminds me of the first Dragonlance series like it just it feels like a D&D adventure I think I think if it had been pitched as that to me it would have been um, a little more enjoyable in some ways um, I kind of wish I'd known that going in uh, I would have kind of let go of like expectations I had for it to be a little bit different than that um, I I'm not sure I'll ever read another book in this in the Rift War cycle Rift World cycle whatever it's called but I didn't I didn't hate this book um, it, it is, it is the thing it is supposed to be, I think. And it's much, it's much more readable than, than many books that I've read, like, uh, that are such straightforward quests. Do you feel like that? Or do you just, you just didn't like it because it wasn't enough to pull you through at the end?
1: Are we, I'm sorry, are we talking about Silverthorn?
0: This, no, yeah, yeah, Silverthorn.
1: I, I was with the journey to a certain point and then I just felt that none of the, so I'm, I'm, and I'm into adventure stories. I want them to go on a big journey, but literally none of the parts of the journey that they went on interested me that it's like, okay, they go to a big library where they find out a very, uh, like, it is a piece of information that is technically helpful to their trip, but nothing interesting actually happens there. Um, You know, they get in a tavern brawl that was just really dumb at one point that, that like, I, I was just struck with like, what an uninteresting conflict that this is. <laughs> well, um, at least, at
0: least it's 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 like part of an assassin's plot, right? So it's like it is yeah, it guess. is dumb, but
1: the you know getting to getting to the place where Silverthorn is housed and having it be a D anD D dungeon that is a trap, like that was that was interesting enough to me that I was like, okay, I am I am curious how this plays out, and then you know it's a trap and they fight all the dark elves and then they like it just. It, whatever whatever things were interesting about this book it felt like the the author was only so invested in and you know had was already invested in telling the larger story um which is a pretty standard quest and yeah i just would have i just couldn't be motivated to care about any of it well i, 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 I it feels like it feels like
0: the only character who has um any freedom to, to be themselves as Jimmy, right, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, like like sure. Jimmy kind of kind of I mean Jimmy kind of breaks the rules and Jimmy kind of goes kind of exists outside of the quest a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy is like he tells a very funny story uh, about a thief who stole from a magician or a wizard, right? He was called the Gray Cat, and Jimmy then Jimmy says, "Well, they said, well, what happened to him?" And Jimmy says, "Well, now he is the Gray Cat." he is a gray cat or something like that it's, it's, it's very funny right i was like oh like like those are the those are the great moments in this like i think that's where feist shines as a writer like are, are those moments and i just wish I, I i don't know i felt like i felt like there were all these things everybody has to do and you're just not you know when, when characters aren't going against what they have to do in some way it just doesn't become real interesting like all the all the what all the conflict they suffer is because they have to do the thing they have to do, right? It's just kind of like, well, okay.
1: It what at one point I felt I was going insane because it felt to me like the characters that made up their party were floating in and out that like <laughs> for most of the book I forgotten Martin was a character until like the very end. Yeah. And, the, and Martin and Martin starts talking and I go, "Wait, since when has Martin been in the party?" Like that <laughs> I don't remember him being here this whole time. And, uh, you know, at one point they they meet a guy who seems really cool and they're like, please join us on a quest. and He just goes, no, I don't want to. And, and like, why did you introduce this character to us? What, 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 remember at the beginning of the book where they spend all this time introducing the, the king of Crash and that guy doesn't matter ever?
0: Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, the king of r- Crash and the ambassador or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: They spend so much time on that and that doesn't have anything to do with the story. Right. Am I crazy?
0: No 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 you're you're not it, but it's it's like it's like part of the pomp of of uh, the arrival of other cultures and dignitaries for the for the royal wedding right
1: There was just there's just so much wasted space that could have been like this is I get back to this every time it's like just this just needs to be edited more Now granted this is from like 1985 and so it's not it's not it, it is doing a thing that i think is is a lot worse these days but this book is still very guilty of it it's just like you got to cut this cruft there's just too much detail that is not contributing to their story nor does it make like telling me that your world has a, a middle eastern you know cognate in or a japanese cognate in it like that's fine but like then make the book about that make like have have the people of crash matter to the story rather than just is a detail that exists well i bet they i bet they come in in
0: the sequel to this i mean the the sequel is is one more book that finishes this series right right. then so
1: then it would have been so easy for them for for the the crescians or whatever you call them to have appeared briefly and not have been described over like two chapters and 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 we can get more important information about them in the next book where they're plot important right
0: yeah but i mean i mean i can't imagine well i i, I will say that didn't annoy me because it was at least like in being a little off topic it felt it felt somehow more real to me
1: like, like well,
0: you're not you didn't have to rush to crash to to do something and that's why we found well, out about that the crash right
1: i think well i think this it, it it made it difficult for me to read this book in the we paid all this attention to them and i'm like okay the king of crush is going to like help them or harm them on their quest we're going to discover that you know he's actually helping the bad guys or this is part of the assassination and then, and then none of that was true it was just a red herring except like it's not intended as a red herring because the the plot isn't that hard to grasp it's just misleading it's just i would say that like you wouldn't you wouldn't make citizen kane and then just add an extra hour of footage about making popsicles you just wouldn't do that you know I mean, I mean you wouldn't you're right i wouldn't
0: we're all so much poorer for that <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well i mean I, yeah I, I like this book i i i'm curious like if anybody's got made it this far i'm totally curious what like if i haven't read any other books in this in this cycle like what's what's the best book? And don't don't say to start with the first magician book. Like like besides that, like what would be the best book to read?
1: But what if that actually is the best book to read?
0: It uh, might be, but uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I could totally be wrong. <laughs> poo-pooing that. Maybe that is the best book to read. Um, what what
1: if what if that book is? What if you made a first book in a series? Actually, you don't even forget series. What if you just made a book that was kind of like the empire strikes back in its structure and in it's, you know, in that it ends on a, on a bad note or whatever with more adventure to come. And that's the only book there's no, there's no prequel. There's no <laughs> sequel. Right. What if you, I, well, and I, I actually think this is a really interesting thought exercise, which is that if uh, a new hope never existed, if George Lucas had only ever made the empire strikes back and then, you know, he died mysteriously or, or like, what would people have thought of that would would people be satisfied by that right would that have would that have been the success that star wars was like from a to some extent maybe
0: no no way no way yeah absolutely not everybody wants more Can, could you
1: could you have made uh, godfather 2 without having made godfather 1
0: oh yeah i think, think so, so. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah but would people enjoy it as much
0: well that's hmm
1: yeah, it's a, it's a thinker, isn't it?
0: <laughs> I say yes. <laughs> but, I mean, we can all do without The Godfather 3, right?
1: We Well, what we need to do is we need to get some Zoomers who haven't seen any movies, which is most Zoomers, uh, from my experience. And we need to run an experiment where we put yeah, half yeah. of them, we put half of them and we only give them the second movie and half of them. But I guess, well, that's the problem, though, is that if they don't watch movies, maybe they can't, maybe they, maybe they would watch, the first two Star Wars and just go, and just shrug because they just don't like movies, which is a phenomenon that I'm bamboozled by frequently. Well, that's good. At least, at least you like movies. Come on. Who me? Or yeah, you. Like yeah, of, well, sure. I'm a millennial. Of course, I love movies. I'm, I'm, one, of, I'm one of God's children. I. uh... <laughs>
0: Oh, let's leave it there I, I, I want to end on that quote if you know a book we should be reading for this for this uh series the sword and sorcery series or for whatever we do next uh please email us at bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com uh
1: please leave a comment i'm Willa Payne. please leave a com- comment about how you don't get the joke on today's library comic at librarycomic.com <laughs> or on no. instagram facebook
0: Not no, do it on facebook where that's all anybody fights about it's perfect <laughs> Yeah. Oh that's what Facebook's for apparently. You show Hey, who can we show this comic to who's not going to get it? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have a great day. Later, well.
1: Keep stabbing.